Hello and welcome to another rest of season top 150 show. My name is Adam Levitan. Each and every Wednesday on this show, I am joined by Michael Leone and Mark Dankenbring to talk buy lows, sell highs, trading in season long, rest of season rankings. Leone, good morning. Good morning. How's it going? Going, going well. Mark, how's it going? Going great. Yeah. Pumped to be back here for another week talking football with you guys. There has been an avalanche of injuries. We also had some quarterbacks or at least one quarterback get bench. We'll get into all that here in a second. Just want everyone to know this is our rest of season rankings. What you're seeing right now on YouTube. This is not some BS list that we pull out of our ass. No, we spend hours and days among multiple people grinding to get these rankings as perfect as we can. You can get access to our rest of season rankings every week through DraftKit Pro or through our in-season product. At the end of this show, we will fire off one move to make. By the way, if you are into the NBA at all, NBA DFS, NBA props, be sure you check out what the Establish the Run NBA team is doing. I joke a lot about grinding hard. The NBA team, I mean, I can't even describe what's going on back there in terms of getting the most accurate projection on every player, every slate, every day. It is a full, full, full undertaking. It can create a big edge because nobody else really is doing it like this. All right. Start with some of the things that happened here, uh, Leone. We saw, uh, sadly, Brees Hall go down. Jets did not hesitate. They could have been like, well, we'll go with Michael Carter and Ty Johnson for a little bit. They said, no, we have to have. We have to have James Robinson, who just allegedly got benched or had his role reduced by the Jaguars in favor of Travis Etienne. They said his knee was sore, whatever. They trade him. Six-round pick likely will become a fifth-round pick by the end of the year. I'm not in a great position to talk about James Robinson because I have lost so much money betting against, fading James Robinson, being on guys in his backfield, and coaches consistently want to give this guy the ball. How do you think it plays out between Carter and James Robinson? Who would you rather have? Would you be looking to target Carter or James Robinson in any type of season-long market? I think it's, I'd rather have Michael Carter than James Robinson. I think the pass catching upside's a little bit better. I mean, Robinson has caught passes in the past for Jacksonville, so it's not like he can't do it, but I think that's you know more likely to go to Michael Carter. And just in terms of some of the advanced rushing efficiency metrics, Michael Carter has always rated pretty well. You know, the problem for him was just that Brees Hall is awesome, more so than it is that Michael Carter is not good. And Robinson on the flip side has had a lot of negative rush yard stuff. He started off the season hot, but you do still wonder coming back from the Achilles injury, like, does he have enough juice for the whole season? Now we've got this knee thing going on. So I prefer Carter to Robinson. I wouldn't be totally shocked if Robinson ended up with a higher split of the carries for the team, you know, after he gets worked in for a couple of weeks. But I think Carter's going to have a bit more efficiency and a bit more work in the passing game. So that's going to leave him with better high value touches. Michael Carter can play, man. I mean, Michael Carter was, I believe a second round pick uh, of the Jets. I mean, Michael Carter can, can certainly play. We'll see how it goes. I think that initially we're going to project the gap between Carter Robinson wider in this first week than we will going forward as James Robinson kind of gets acclimated there on the ETN stuff, Mark. I, I mean, people are like frothing at the mouth over, Travis Etienne right now. And admittedly, with good reason. We have him up to 24th overall. Now, they are coming out saying Jermichael Hasty is going to play a little bit. Jermichael Hasty has had some good runs. I thought Jermichael Hasty played okay for the 49ers in his opportunities when he had them. 24th is very, very 
very high on Travis Etienne. Is there any merit, do you think, Mark, trying to capitalize on this froth for ETN right now in the trade market, or would you just be holding? I, I do think there's some merit there. Um, obviously, you know, the workload should increase here for ETN. And I think the biggest boost that we'll see in his fantasy value is that he's now going to get, you know, the goal line carries, which James Robinson was kind of getting the, uh, the favor there early on in the season. Robinson has nine carries inside the 10 ETN only has five. Uh, we saw that change a little bit this last week and, and those should be going to ETN moving forward. So obviously the favor for touchdowns there. Um, but you know, he's already gotten kind of the work we were looking for in the passing game in terms of usage and utilization there. Like he's been out there for all the two minute snaps, all the obvious passing downs, and he hasn't gotten the targets that we've been hoping for at this point. So, um, there is still a little bit to be desired there. You know, I, uh, we're kind of like wish casting a bit, hoping that they do increase as the season goes along. And I, I think they probably will just based on how much he's out there and how many routes he's running. But, um, you know, someone in the chat drops like they're someone offered them Jalen Waddle for uh, Travis Etienne. And I would definitely consider that uh, if you have, you know, a little bit of depth at running back, because I, I would probably take Waddle rest of season. Um, you know, again, there is some some added upside if Etienne does get more passing work but really all this opens up is is some more rushing work and goal line carries for etn yeah yeah i certainly prefer waddle the problem is that on most of my teams i did you know zero rb or hero rb where i'm already thin at running back and so like you know giving up travis etn is not something that i could do even if i prefer waddle rest of season like we have here i want to go back to you mark on the sam ellinger stuff so i talked to silva about it a little bit yesterday i'm curious your take on how this plays out with Sam Ellinger at quarterback because Michael Pittman's ADOT has been so low. He needs so much volume and he was getting it with Matt Ryan. In other words, we were seeing 50, 40, 55, 58, 45 dropbacks in games for Matt Ryan. I believe Matt Ryan led or second in the entire league in dropbacks per game right now. I don't think that's going to be the way it goes for Ellinger. So I am a little bit worried about Pittman. We dropped him to 37. I suspect some people might want to drop Michael Pittman more right now what do you think about maybe going after Pittman trading him away what do you think the market is for Pittman I actually think selling low on Pittman might be the best thing to do um, I have him in one league and I am pretty deep at wide receiver so I was thinking of trying to package him and Zeke and you know maybe getting an RB1 or just a, a better upgrade at wide receiver I think that's certainly interesting I, I think this move for the Colts is just kind of signaling you know a different style of play moving forward as you mentioned they've dropped back to pass so many times Matt Ryan leads the league in interceptions you know he was top five in sack rate uh, has has a lot of fumbles as well and so I think Frank Reich you know realized that that wasn't working quite the way they wanted and they want Ellinger to go in there you know run the ball a bit more with JT Hines lean on their defense a bit hopefully Shaquille Leonard is back soon for them so I think, you know, it, it just hurts the passing volume overall there. I think Pittman should still have between, you know, around a 25% target share, but we're likely looking at a dip in probably eight to 10 pass attempts per week, you know, which is about two targets for Pittman. So mm -hmm. I, I think it's a decent spot to sell low. Obviously, I think everyone, you know, sees this as a downgrade for the passing attack in Indy. So it, it's going to be tough to get, you know, requisite value for Pittman. But uh, if you can sell low, that's probably what I lean. Otherwise, I just hold and hope out that, you know, Pittman does become Ellinger's favorite target still and, and earns a 25 to 30% share. Yeah. And I think that what we're going to see in theory is more JT. However, we did have to drop JT in the rankings due to efficiency concerns with Ellinger. And also Ellinger is going to take away 
some rush attempts. So I want to ask generally about running backs in a second here. But Leone, how do you feel about JT with Ellinger? Because we have seen, you know, like rushing capable quarterbacks, if they start running some RPO stuff, if they can start making Ellinger a threat, it can help and create bigger running lanes for JT. The one thing I was excited about, though, was all this pass game usage for Deion Jackson in week six and all this pass game usage for Jonathan Taylor in week seven. I was like, oh, baby, here we go. Indie running backs by getting a ton of targets. Now I'm like, oh, God, I don't know. So what do you think about JT with Ellinger? I mean, I'm right there with you. Like if, if Matt Ryan could have been halfway decent, we almost got the nut outcome for JT, which is faster tempo, higher pass rate, but we just needed to be able to actually score some points on top of it. And it would have been an absolute smash and we couldn't get there. And now Matt Ryan's benched and yeah, the target share for him is likely going to calm down and the pass rate is going to come down. So lower target share plus lower pass volume, that's going to be bad for JT. So you're really hoping to make it up in rush efficiency you know is this offense going to be put in a position to have more green zone touches for jonathan taylor that's where he made his bank last year is having a mobile quarterback going to increase his rush efficiency i think his yards per carry you know for sure is going to come up but to what extent i don't know if it's going to be enough to offset the lack in you know pass game work and like, I mean, I am a little bit excited for a mobile quarterback, but ultimately, I mean, it's not like Sam Ellinger comes in and you're like, okay, this team's all of a sudden going to score a lot. Yeah. So um, I think where we have him is right, which is kind of splitting the difference. You know, it's dropping him a little bit because there's more uncertainty and there's a little bit less pass work. But, you know, we still have some hope that just purely on talent, Jonathan Taylor is going to be really good. And um, he's someone that, you know, very easily could move back up or just continue to move down after we see what it w- looks like with Ellinger. I mentioned running backs. Uh, we moved up running backs as a whole this week and kind of a macro thing. Why did we move up? I think we have 13 running backs now in the top 30. We only had 10 in the top 30 last week. Why move up running backs now as a whole, Leone? And what do you think about running back value as we get into the kind of middle part of the season here, because we know one of the values of being light on running back early is there's going to be chaos in the running back position. There's going to be injuries. Every week that goes by, there's less time for that stuff to happen and for us to capitalize on it. So now, is it fair to say that running backs are actually worth more now than they were at the beginning of the season, if you follow what I'm saying? Yeah, I think it is, because the concern with running backs beginning of the season, not only may they potentially get hurt over the course of the season, but it's also a spot where you can get super lucky where you can draft uh, a Kenneth Walker late and, and fill that running back spot. And you, you know, just hit a huge home run. And if you've drafted wide receivers early, you're flush. So there's less time for them to get hurt. There's also guys that have already broken out and volumes more solidified. Like we feel better about Damian Pierce than we did. We feel way better about Travis Etienne. Kenneth Walker has a stranglehold on the position, you know? So um, all these things kind of work together, both micro in terms of those guys hitting and us feeling better. And then macro in terms of the time left in the season. And then one note um, that's just kind of random, something I noticed, but I was looking at like the expected wide receiver fantasy points and like the top 10 performances in expected fantasy points, uh, according to my stuff this season at wide receiver all occurred in weeks one through four. So just for whatever reason, the last few weeks we haven't had some of the top, you know, the receivers pop quite as much. And I don't know if that's a trend or just an aberration, but if we're leaning on a recent performance a little bit, the the running backs have outperformed the wide receivers in that regard. All right. Let's go to the Arizona stuff. Mark uh, got me. Mark was right. And I was wrong. I will say that it was just the absolute cleanest spot in the history of the world for DeAndre Hopkins. No Marshawn Lattimore. 
and no Marquise Brown and which I didn't see coming. And, you know, maybe this, this was something I, I should have allowed for cliff cliff actually used Deandre Hopkins in a creative way. Actually like get your player in a position to win. He did that with Deandre Hopkins. Deandre Hopkins was in the slot a ton. Deandre Hopkins was out wide. He played both sides. He ran routes all over the field. That is not how cliff has done things previously at all. So to me, this was a huge sign on DeAndre Hopkins. I'm not willing to take the complete L yet, but I think I'm on my way to taking the L here if Cliff is going to use DeAndre Hopkins like that. On the other side of the coin, Mark, Rondell Moore, and Evan and I talked about it yesterday. I mean, Rondell Moore is not an outside receiver, period. Do you think that he goes back in there? Because honestly, only one of them can really win in there, Hopkins or Moore. Moore can't really play outside. Hopkins can. So I could see Cliff doing something dumb, man. I could see it, but the way it is now, Hopkins role super valuable. What do you think of all the Arizona stuff? Would you be trying to sell? It's going to be hard to sell Rondale more right now after that game, but would you be trying to sell Rondale, buy Robbie, anything like that? Yeah, it's a little tricky because we've seen week to week, Cliff kind of changes up the utilization of the wider savers based on who's available. And now we're adding Robbie Anderson to the mix. Um, so I think, you know, I would guess Robbie and DeAndre Hopkins are primarily outside with Rondale in the slot. I'm hope I'm guessing that is, is what's going to be the case. And then, you know, if he does want to use Hopkins in the slot a little bit, they're clearly fine putting Rondale out, out wide, but it certainly hurts, you know, just Rondale's uh, target floor and upside too, in this offense. Uh, they still have Zach Ertz healthy. You mentioned the Marquise Brown injury doesn't seem to be severe as initially noted. So he might be back eventually. Um, you know, I was high on Hopkins because I thought him coming in fresh against players that have been playing and getting banged up for six weeks was just a massive advantage for him since he wasn't coming off injury. I think that played out pretty well against the saints and kind of as every week goes by, you know, I think that that claim goes out the window a little bit. So with how strong of a game Hopkins had, um, I would be, you know, kind of leaning more towards sell high at this point than buy high, um, especially with Brown potentially coming back for the fantasy playoffs. So, you know, they have a good matchup this week against Minnesota, I think another solid matchup against Seattle uh, the week after, but then things do get a little tougher towards the fantasy playoffs. So I do think if Hopkins posts another couple strong performances, you could potentially flip him really high. Um, but, you know, at this point you held him this long, he performed well, uh, Cliff used him in a, in a creative way. Uh, so I think at this point you just kind of take the, take the wins. And if he keeps stacking them up, then maybe look to flip. But yeah, at this point, Hopkins looks like a pretty, pretty locked in, you know, low end wide receiver two, high end or wide receiver one. Also yeah. just, just real quick shout out to cliff. We always, we call him a fake sharp, but cliff just unnecessarily drew up a play. So Hopkins could get a hundred yards <laughs> and Mark and I could hit the all over. So kudos to cliff for that one. Yeah. Definitely. this we have Pierce and Hopkins back to back in the rankings. And this is like some of those spots where when you get to this point uh, in the season, I would really think about team needs. I would think about matchups in the playoffs. Like if you have a good team, that's going to be in the playoffs. Like I'd actually consider now matchups in the playoffs, game environments in the playoffs, whether and, and what you need in terms of depth, think about what would happen if you were injuries to your team. When we have guys really close like that, I, I think in a vacuum, I probably prefer Hopkins over Pierce. But like you said, it's, we have it 34, 35. I mean, it would come down to team needs and that's it. Okay. Let's go, uh, let's, uh, you know what? Let's talk about the Bengals stuff because this was actually exciting, Leone. I mean, for the pass rate over expectation nerds, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know what got into Zach Taylor, but Zach Taylor went from like, oh, we're going to start it off slow and kind of run. And he has turned it around to the point where they had a 21-0 lead against the Falcons. And they were out there 
slinging it. I mean, the game got a little bit close. Falcons cut it to 11 at one point, but they were just out there slinging it the entire game. I actually think at this pass rate and the way that all the receivers are being used, Tyler Boyd would be like a buy high for me. Like I, I think Tyler Boyd can actually have good games, solid game consistently. And the contingent upside, if something happens to chase or Higgins, you know, is outrageous on Tyler Boyd. So I know it's hard to buy Tyler Boyd right now. I'd probably wait for him to have a more quiet game before I buy him uh, concerning what he did last week. But I don't think this is like a flu. Like you're going to be able to use Tyler Boyd, in my opinion, a lot as a starter, if they're going to sustain this throw rate, how realistic do you think this is Leone and should Joe Burrow be a priority for people over someone like Kyler or Herbert, stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, it's a really positive sign. It's back-to-back weeks with like a 20% pass rate of our expectation, which is like, like that's a huge number. Uh, it was the highest pass rate of our expectation I think we had all season, what they did last week. I mean, to throw, they called 45 pass plays in a game that they, was a huge blowout. And it's really good. There's part of me that looks back to last season and they had, you know, week seven and eight, they had like a plus 10% pass rate of expectation. And then they were negative six straight weeks. And then they then they closed out the season plus 15% pass rate of expectation and then went negative, you know, week 18. And they were like kind of slightly above in the playoffs. So on, on one hand, last year they did this a little bit and it came back down to earth. On the other hand, it was so extreme what they've done the last two weeks beyond even those blips last year that I, I think it's pretty positive moving forward. I'm right with you on Boyd, especially I think as teams throw more too, they tend to spread it out just a little bit more. It's a little bit harder for guys to earn the huge target shares and Boyd's the natural beneficiary there is the third guy where his target share comes up a little bit. So he benefits you know, disproportionately from the increased volume. As far as Burrow versus other quarterbacks, it's tough. We've seen an absurd ceiling out of him. I think I'd still prefer Kyler, but it's at the point where I think it's the same tier. And before the season, I thought Burrow was really overdrafted. And I think, you know, if we see them for a third straight week, be real positive PROE, we'll probably move Burrow up right into that, that Murray Herbert tier. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Buck stuff, man. So, I think a lot of the Bucks, like what you think about the Bucks and what you think is going to happen has to do with like, do you think the team is just going to absolutely crumble? Like, do you think they're just like giving up Brady's on tilt? he's 45. He's on team. No sex now, allegedly, you know, uh, uh, he's just going to quit in the middle of the season. I've heard that rumor. The coaches are saying, you know, we got to see if these old guys can still play and see what the young guys have. He, he's, there's a lot of warning signs that this Bucks team is just going to crumble. That said, I have, uh, learned not to count out Tom Brady here. I still think Godwin and Evans are playing at a really high level. The one that I think we're most concerned about is Lenny. And, and so for people who have Lenny right now, is this our last chance to sell him, Mark, before it devolves on Thursday into a full-blown committee with Rashad White? Or are they going for it and they're going to stick with this elite Lenny usage going forward? What do you think about the Buck stuff? Yeah, is it is it bad to say I I can't decide? Um, it's it's really hard. I have Lenny in a couple of leagues. I, you know, I'm really struggling on what to do. I I don't know what the sharp side is here in in terms of betting on the Bucks. Like I I lean towards it being you know betting on Brady and this offense to get it going just with the talent they have and what we've seen the last couple of years. Um, I think you know it kind of comes down to if the offensive line can somehow start to play a little better. Their interior offensive line has definitely struggled. Um, you know, and that that's 
uh, attributed a little bit to Fournette's struggles on the ground. Uh, but certainly, you know, we've seen a few really high pass rate over expectation weeks. And in those weeks, Fournette has caught, you know, between six and eight balls, got up to 10 in one game, is still the favorite for the goal line touches. So, you know, I still kind of on this team that is a veteran laden team, you know, has kind of an old style coach and Todd Bowles. Um, I, I think they're going to lean into the into the vets until you know just the wheels come off so i kind of still lean on holding lenny and not trying to sell low but uh you know if you guys have a different take and can kind of sell me the other way then i'm I'm listening as well but uh, i want to be a little bit more confident in the bucks yeah this is hard i don't know if you have a take leone i actually think that it's going to be close between lenny and rashad white usage on thursday night on the short week and i think he's a second round pick on rashad white i think they think he can play and so yeah i i i i personally think it's going to be 40 60 35 65 and that's even with the bucks like keeping their head in the game obviously if the wheels completely fall off brady quits or something then they'll go to rashad white fully so there's a lot of risk with lenny right now any quick take there leone yeah i mean i guess i'd make a lateral move if you could like maybe someone like deandre swift or etn if you want to de-risk and at wide receiver like T Higgins and Jalen Waddle, I'm pretty sure we're above market on both those guys. If you're doing okay at running back, I think those are fine moves to make. I don't, I'm kind of like Mark though. I'm kind of caught in between where I like, I'm pretty pro Rashad white um, where you can still stash him, but I'm not totally out on Lenny yet uh, tonight or tomorrow night should be a good indication though. Cause we've heard a lot of Rashad white steam this week. Let, let's see what that means. Does that mean it's, it's 65-35, Lenny? Or does it mean it's 50-50? Because yeah. there's a big difference. Uh, all right. I want to explain the Kenneth Walker stuff for a second because a lot of this is my fault. Uh, preseason, before the season, I was out on Kenneth Walker and, and Rashad Penny, both. Uh, I just didn't think... I, I just thought Seattle was going to be terrible and the pass game role for both. They were using Homer and DJ Dallas on pass downs. We weren't going to score a lot of touchdowns, I thought. And it was going to be really, they were going to split time. It was going to be really hard for either of them to get there. Um, Leone, the controversy was Leone was in big time on Kenneth Walker. And so, you know, people are like resurfacing like three month old TikTok videos with me and Silva being like, uh, Kenneth Walker is total dust. And they're not resurfacing the videos where Leone was like, Kenneth Walker is a league winner. So there's war out there in the TikTok streets. And I mean, and, and by war, I mean, uh, our guys battling in the comments versus TikTok mouth breeders. <laughs> but anyways, now we get into a spot where everybody's in on Kenneth Walker. Like, regardless of what you thought before, obviously everything's changed with Seattle. Rashad Penny goes down. Travis Homer goes down. Turns into, like, the nuts spot for Kenneth Walker, who's had incredible matchups. Now everybody has the full 3.9 for Kenneth Walker. So now people are like, oh, well, now what should I do with Kenneth Walker, Mark? Go ahead. Forget everything else. Every, it, it, it's all water under the bridge. You know, me being wrong and Leone being right. That, that was all water under the bridge. This is a forward thinking show. What to do now if you have Kenneth Walker? I think Kenneth Walker is, you know, shown he's basically like Nick Chubb at this point. Uh, just going to be really efficient running the ball. The Seahawks offensive line has really come around with their two rookie tackles. Like they look strong. Uh, and he just, you know, continues to break tackles in massive runs, uh, you know, has, has scored. Uh, three touchdowns in his first two starts. So obviously that looks good, but the passing uh, or at least the targets haven't been there. He's been running routes and stuff, which, you know, we've seen pointed to on Twitter. And I think that's like fair, you know, that he's running routes, but like the Seahawks just haven't targeted their running backs all season. You know, I think for Rashad Penny uh, and, 
and uh, Walker, their highest targets in any game this year is three. So um, it's not like, you know, they're going to have a massive pass game role. The, the DK Metcalf injury, I think, does open up some upside for them, potentially, you know, changing the offense a little bit, maybe running some screens or something along those lines where they get him more involved in the passing game. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's a low-end RB1. Uh, in, in the positive game scripts we've seen the last couple weeks, he's going to eat. You know, he's going to get close to 20 carries and probably close to 100 yards. Um, but I do think there is game script concern here. And, you know, while Geno Smith continues to look really good, they did just – lose DK Metcalf and they're not deep at receiver. So uh, I think we could see this offense, you know, struggle a bit more. And if the, you know, pass or if the offensive plays drop down into the forties, which we've seen a couple of times from them this season and often last season, you know, it, it could be a struggle for Kenneth Walker. So I think if people are valuing him as just like a locked in RB one every week, you know, I think you could potentially flip him. Um, but certainly he's, he's a solid player and, you know, you, again, you drafted him in like the ninth, 10th round. So this is an absolute smash for him to be an RB one at this point. But uh, I do think there are some holes to poke. Yeah, sure. And you mentioned Nick Chubb, like obviously Nick Chubb's an incredible fantasy asset. You know, I, I was saying sell Nick Chubb uh, a couple weeks ago, and it's the same concerns that you're going to have with Kenneth Walker, Travis Homer, and DJ Dallas are going to get in there on pass downs when, it, when they start losing games, getting behind, you're not going to get, you're going to need touchdown, crazy touchdown yeah. efficiency. Just one note, uh, Dwayne McFarland tweeted this on Walker. Last week, he ran a route on 65% of their dropbacks, and yeah. he also played in the two-minute offense. Um, yeah. He played 100% of the two-minute offense. So there are some bullish signs there. Obviously, Homer's coming back, and we don't know if that'll last. He did not play the long down and distance stuff, which we wouldn't expect, but um, there could be something where it's like almost like a better mix-in to an extent in terms of that pass game role where he's not like the – you know, a full three down back, but he's like a two and a half down back. Yep. I want to spend a quick second on if your team is good, if your team is bad. I'll start with if your team is bad, Leonie. We had a question come in through chat here. I have Kyle Pitts and my team is two and five. What do I do? Um, you know, I, 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 I don't think there's much you can do with Kyle Pitts. I don't, I don't even feel like talking about it. Like there's not much you can do. You can't sell him. Okay. But even starting him is hard right now i'm still starting him in places where i have him but man you know they have shown that they are going to throw the ball 15 times 20 times in a game regardless of script so you're you have a bad team you have kyle pitts i, I don't really know what to say beyond hold yeah i mean maybe like zach Ertz would be someone that short term is has like a pretty decent floor if you're not starting kyle pitts because you're concerned about floor and like zach Ertz has had a really valuable role um, and he's probably a little bit lower in our rankings just because we're still at his age and with Hopkins back a little uncertain about what it's going to look like long-term for Ertz, but he's probably a good bet to outscore Kyle Pitts in the short term. But for the most part, the Pitts stuff, you know, it's unfortunate. It's sort of like is what it is. I know he probably looks egregious at T6 to a lot of people, but we're still trying to keep the long view. It's the same reason why we didn't, you know, drop. Travis Etienne a whole ton two weeks into the season when Robin, you know, it's the same reason why we didn't drop Kenneth Walker an insane amount, you know, two, three weeks in the season or Juju. Like sometimes you got to hold on to these guys and hope the talent comes around. And that doesn't mean it will, you know, if Juju had sucked the last two weeks, we would have just kept dropping them. And, and, and luckily it came around. It's not always going to come around, but when it does, usually the rewards a little bit more outsized than the risk. Yeah. Okay. On the other side of the coin, Mark, if you have a really good team, I mean, one thing that I, I think handcuffs are more valuable on good teams. In other words, if I had 
Dalvin and I was five and two and I knew I was going to be in the playoffs, I can afford to give up some bench flyers for just having Madison or something like that. You know what I mean? So I think that's one thing that people with good teams can do. Any advice for people who are off to a good start in their fantasy league? Yeah, I think grinding the waivers and, and stashing, you know, potential upside running backs is probably the best thing you can do. At this point, we've seen the attrition with running backs this season and just the turnover um, at the top. So, you know, I, that's my number one strategy. I would also say if, if you're kind of planning for the playoffs, you know, to target like wide receivers uh, over running backs or tight ends because they're less likely to get hurt between now and then. Uh, you know, it's all great to look ahead to a running back's great playoff schedule, but there's, you know, still about six or seven weeks until we get there. That's a, that's a lot of time to bank on them staying healthy. So I do think if you're planning for a playoff run, it's, it's better to trade for a wide receiver or, or a quarterback, you know, definitely uh, more likely to stay healthy than a running back. So that's kind of my tips. And yeah, just, just try and grind the waivers. Um, or now that we're going through these bye weeks uh, by or week eight, isn't, isn't too big for bye weeks, but I think week nine is a huge one. So maybe next week, if a team is desperate for a win, you know, trade them a starter or two, um, for like a higher end guy that's on buy or they can't necessarily play that week and, and kind of play just like the short term versus long term game for, you know, what other team needs. Uh, it's certainly sharp to look around the league and kind of see if people need a, a win now week and if you can offer them a piece short term that will help, but, you know, you can get a better long term piece. All right. One more topic, uh, each of you here before we get to our, our uh, move uh, to make. The Wandale Robinson stuff has been awesome on targets per route run. Leone, I, I, you know, I would almost want to have him higher than we have him here at 101st overall, but maybe I'm just, you know, too excited about my boy, Danny Dimes, crushing fantasy, being the key to best ball teams, no big deal. And now you get finally a legit wide receiver who is earning targets at a massive rate right now. And his role, I think can only grow from here. I think there's room to be higher on Wandale. What do you think about any giant stuff, Leonie? Are you willing to rescind your Daniel Jones hate here and get on board with Wandale? You're on mute, Leonie. Oh, man. Tough scene for me <laughs> with the mute. Taking the Daniel Jones Al muted. <laughs> I, I think there's a good bit of upside with Wandale. I know last week, Mark and I talked through Wandale versus Garrett Wilson, I believe, or maybe it was Elijah. Was it Elijah or, or Garrett? um uh, elijah yeah, I, and i, I was on I the elijah Wondell. yeah and i was on the elijah side i'm gonna capitulate for sure on that one Let's just go. a week later uh just seeing the targets per route run scale with more playing time i think it's huge because sometimes i think we make this assumption oh his targets per route run are so great and it's like well then he plays 90 percent of snaps and like oh the targets per route run came down mm -hmm. um and that didn't happen last week and they they just have nobody else like Kadarius Tony, Kenny Galladay are still not practicing. Uh, so I, I think there's a good bit of upside. It's just difficult. Like you, like, I mean, if you're being super nitpicky, like I might swap him and Rondell more in the rankings, for example. I think, you know, Wondell Robinson might have a bit more upside. It sort of depends what you're looking for. Like full PPR to remember, these are half PPR ranks. Full PPR Wondell is going to be like ha have one of the bigger discrepancies because a lot of his value is going to be a high catch rate on short ADOT stuff, not necessarily big plays and touchdowns. Mm -hmm. So that makes him a lot more valuable than someone like, you know, Darnell Mooney, where you're hoping to get there on some downfield throws e eventually with Justin Fields. So your format depends a little bit there, but I'm mostly pro Wondell Robinson. All right. Last question here is for Mark, the Mike Williams injury, uh, 
not great. You know, I thought Mike Williams was having a, a really good season. Obviously, he had some floor games, but man, when he gets it going, he is so, so, so good. The injury is a high ankle sprain. They didn't give a timeline exactly. They said, I believe Brandon Staley's quote was, it will be weeks, not months, but weeks plural. And high ankle sprain has a really long and bad history of really messing guys up. I mean, if it's a bad one, sometimes it's better for guys to just break their ankle or break their leg than just have a high ankle sprain. So I'm pretty worried on him. I think personally, I would probably have it tighter between Mike Williams and Josh Palmer here. I know Josh Palmer's been bad uh, this year, but I still think he has a chance in that Mike Williams role. What do you think about what to do with Mike Williams right now? I think if you have a bad team, I mean, I think you kind of just got to try to get whatever you can for Mike Williams because by the time he gets back, if he gets back before the fantasy playoffs, like it's not going to be great. So what do you think about the the Charger stuff? I agree that that would be my take. I would probably try and sell low on Mike Williams and and look to a team that has started out really strong and could be planning for the playoffs and, and trade them Mike Williams now. Um, you know, he certainly isn't very desirable otherwise because they're going into their buy and it looks like he'll be out for at least a month, I would guess. So, um, that, I think that's probably the only team that you could potentially, you know, trade him to, uh, maybe get back two starters and, and try and salvage something. But, um, it's certainly, it's certainly bad for rest of season. I, I think we should probably drop him a little further. Like when I was kind of looking at this case, I, you know, I was thinking, oh, I'd probably take a handful of these guys above Mike Williams because, you know, we've seen. Oftentimes when, when players return from high ankle sprains, they just aren't yeah. quite themselves. Uh, Keenan Allen will be back. You know, we're, we're assuming Austin Eckler will be healthy. So, um, you know, the target share could probably be in the high teens rather than like the low to mid twenties that we've seen without Keenan Allen. So I think it's a sell low situation if you can. Okay. All right. We've said enough. We've actually said too much. We've said it all. It is now time for the one move to make portion of the program i'll give it to mark mark's been absolutely on fire on these i'll go to mark first for the honors one move to make well i appreciate it i'm, I'm a little salty because last week like during the show we talked about selling michael Pittman and mike williams and i didn't make that the move to make i, I went for gallup uh by gallup who airballed but that's mm-hmm. besides the point uh this week we are going to get back on track and it's going to be buying high on chris olave so, you know, Olave has been elite thus far. Like we, you know, his, his usage has been outstanding, uh, but I still think you can buy high on him since he's a rookie. Uh, people will say, oh, Michael Thomas has been out. Jarvis Landry has been out. That's, that's inflated his workload. But I, I just think Chris Olave is really good. Uh, he's seventh in the NFL in yards per route run, which is, you know, basically right in line with Cooper Cup. He's next to guys like A.J. Brown, you know, who we have in locked in as wide receiver one. So I think Olave has a great chance to finish the season as wide receiver one. I'd be willing to trade someone like Michael Pittman for him, uh, someone like Keenan Allen, um, you know, Cortland Sutton, guys like that who have also performed well this season or have high, uh, you know, rest of season outlook, uh, you know, ahead. So I'd be buying high on Chris Olave. Okay. Buy high on Chris Olave. Leone, go ahead. Um, man, I feel like this is the toughest week so far for me for this, but I, I really like T Higgins. I guess I'd buy T Higgins who had a, he did have a very good game last week going five for 93, but he had been dealing with the injury the couple weeks prior to that. And if that has people down a little bit, like Boyd and chase outscoring him last week, maybe has people concerned. I think T Higgins is going to have some absolutely massive weeks down the stretch. So I would try to go out and get him as far as like one V one swaps you could make for him. Like maybe you could trade, you know, Pittman and a lesser running back. And someone thinks that they're, you know, 
making a pretty sharp buy low on the news on Pittman, something like that. And we have, you know, fudded Debo a little bit. If you can trade Debo Samuel for T Higgins, I think that's great. I guess we didn't touch on the CMC stuff too much, but uh, I think there's concerns for the San Francisco pass catchers, mostly Debo with the addition of CMC there. Oh, baby. Bad Debo games are like music to my ears. My family, my family needs bad Debo games so, 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 so badly. Yeah, there, there's a question in chat about Debo for Alave. See, like that—that's uh, I think a great one. Like I would trade Debo for Alave right now and and yeah. get Alave. Yeah, I would never have Alave in the first place. So clearly, Kyrie, <laughs> you made a mistake there. I mean, uh, yeah, I would never have Debo in the first place. So yeah. Anyways, all right. I'll give a. I'm gonna give one and a half. The first half one. Uh, the first half one, I don't know if you guys have heard, there are some Jerry Judy rumors, trade rumors out there. I don't think it's very likely to happen, but I could still see it possibly. Even if it doesn't, I think Jerry Judy has underperformed relative to his talent level and what his role is going to be. You saw him have a really big game with, or a good game at least with Brett Rippon last week. So I think buying Jerry Judy here and hoping he gets traded or just hoping that he can flip it with Cortland Sun the rest of the way. I think that's okay. But that's just a half one. That, that's not the real one. The real move to make that I have is two parts. The first part is sell Daryl Henderson. The second part is add Kieran Williams. Uh, and so I don't think they actually like Daryl Henderson. I, I really don't. I, I think that they've got themselves back into a corner here. I mean, they, they hated Cam Akers. I mean, they essentially exiled Cam Akers, but they were still playing Cam Akers ahead of Daryl Henderson. I mean, they didn't want to do this. They don't want Daryl Henderson, but they don't have much of a choice now because they have total dust. Malcolm Brown, Ronnie Rivers, whatever. The guy they like, allegedly, is Kieran Williams. And so when Kieran Williams is healthy, I could see him being the lead back. I would try to get out from under Daryl Henderson before that happens. You can sell this person, whoever you're trading, trying to trade Daryl Henderson to, you can sell them on, oh, buddy, Daryl Henderson already came off his buy. He already had his buys behind him. And Cam Akers, and Cam Akers is done. You got to get on the D Hendo train, you know? You got to negotiate a little bit. You got you to sell it. A little bit when you try to trade someone like D Hendo. So there you have it. Sell D Hendo and add Kieran Williams in the process. That is going to do it for this rest of season top 150 show ahead of week eight. Appreciate you all being here. We do have a goal of 30,000 YouTube subscribers before the end of the NFL season. If you're watching on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button, would mean a lot to us. Also, if you need to be in the NBA streets, we have weekly and monthly. If you need to be in the NFL streets, we have weekly and monthly options available there as well. You just head up here, subscribe page, easy game. For Mark, for Leone, I am Adam. Good luck, everybody.